This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hey there, everybody. It's good to see you guys. If we haven't met before, my name's Kevin, and I have the privilege of working here and being the one who most weeks will be guiding you through God's Word on Sunday nights. I want you to know, uh, I pray every week for our church community, but I've been praying specifically for you, the people who would come tonight for probably the last four months, that you would experience something deep and true and real with God, that He would stir a passion, a calling in you, that He would raise something up that's just incredible as you encounter Him. So I've been praying for you, uh, and I believe that God wants to do something pretty amazing with us in this community as we launch this Sunday evening service, as we open doors and create avenues for people from all over Petaluma and Roner Park and Katadi and all the areas around to come and experience him on Sunday nights. And so just get ready for what God wants to do. When you came in, you should have received a program from the front doors uh, that looks just like this. Uh, We probably have a few extra at the back table if you didn't get one, but just a few things by way of helping you stay connected, helping you plug in and know what's going on. We have a card that says start here. At some point while I'm talking, go ahead and fill that out. With just your name, if you're a regular part of New Life, if you're new to us, as much information as you are comfortable giving us, would you just go ahead and put that on this card? And then um, at the end of the evening, We have these containers in the back of the room. They look like big metal cylinders and bins. You can look at them now. So go ahead, just look at them now so you know what I'm talking about. It's not a trash can, so go take your coffee out of it. It is where we are dropping these cards, our Connect cards. It's also where we're putting our tithes and offerings. So if you came prepared to give this evening to the work that God is doing, you're going to drop your Connect cards in these containers. You're going to drop your uh, giving envelopes right there in the containers. And they're plenty deep. Don't worry. Even if you have the longest arms, they're real hard to reach to the bottom. So don't get nervous. No one's going to take your money uh, except for God, and he's going to use it for incredible things. So don't worry about that. Um, It is going to be so fun tonight. Just so you know, Justin mentioned it, we have communion around the auditorium. We'll be doing that pretty much every week. Communion tables will be set up so that at any point throughout this experience, you can go and take communion. And here's why we're doing it. We want this evening, we want the Sunday night service to be this real free-flowing experience where you are opened up. Whether you've been in church for the last 30 years or this is your first time at church, It's just a real free, open place for you to experience God. And we know that God moves different people at different times in different ways. And so we're just going to have worship playing. We'll have a teaching, and then we'll have some more worship. And at any point throughout that, as God leads you to take communion, go ahead and do that at those tables. Um, We are kicking a brand new series today. We're not kicking it. We're kicking it off. A brand new series called Servolution. Check it up on the screens. Here's what a servolution is. It's simply this. It's sharing God's love and changing lives through simple acts of kindness. Simple acts of service, simple acts of love. And I actually learned a new word this week, and it wasn't servolution. I learned that one when I made it up. Um, But I learned a new word this week, and I love new words because when you learn something new that other people don't know, it just feels really cool. You feel like you have insider information. So I want to let you in on my new word that I learned. And here's the new word. It's the word neoteny. Neoteny. Here's what neoteny means, because this is one of those words that when I heard this word, I thought, that's me. That word right there describes this guy right here. I love this word. This is my word. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to own it. Neoteny simply means this. It means the retention of youthful qualities by adults. It means basically adults who act like kids. That's neoteny. Uh, And I heard it, and I thought, that's me. 
And if you don't believe me, the worship team was up here practicing earlier, and their voices are strained because this is their third service for the day. So during practice, they just kind of stepped back from the mics, then we're playing that song, How He Loves. I just grabbed Justin's microphone, took it off the thing, and started singing and leading worship to nobody because I'm kind of a big kid at heart. Neoteny describes me. That's who I am. And because that's who I am, because I am an adult who retains youthful qualities, that's who I am, uh, it affects the things that I do. So who I am on the inside affects what I do on the outside. And as we launch this brand new series called Servolution, we're going to talk a whole lot about the things we do, what it looks like to put love in action by serving people, caring for people, both in the church, in the city, and around the world. It's going to be highly focused on what we do because you know what? Christianity is not just about being. Yeah, we're human beings, but we're also human doings. It's about doing things with God and for God. But I thought we should kick off this series not by talking about things, Things to do, but by talking about who we are. Because who we are, who I am and who you are, who God says that we are, shapes the things that we do. Because I have this retention of youthful qualities inside of me, it changes the way I act on the outside. And God has said something about who you are and who you are on the inside, if you are in a relationship with Jesus, will affect what you do on the outside, will affect where we go for the rest of this teaching series. So I want to ask you, um, who are you? I mean, what is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that wakes you up early in the morning? What are the things you think about? What are the passions you have? What is your excitement? Um, what is it that you just can't stop doing? In all your free time, this is where you spend your time. This is where you spend your energy. Who are you at your core? If I asked that question to a group of Jesus followers 2,000 years ago in the early church, the church that got formed just after Jesus came, lived, was crucified, rose again, and then went up to heaven to be with God. If I asked them, who are you? They would give me one universal answer because they knew who they were and who they were shaped everything that they did. Now, over the last 2,000 years, we have lost sight of who we are as a church. And it's because of church history. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. What happened in the church over the last couple thousand years that made us lose who we were originally supposed to be. And then my hope is that we begin to reclaim who we are at our core. Because God's great desire is not just that you would know him and be in an intimate relationship with him, but that you would have a life of passion, that you would have a life of purpose, that you would have a life that matters, that you would have a life that is not just mediocre. Because sometimes we settle. We think, well, life's not bad. But on the flip side, life's not great. It just kind of is. But God does not want you to be in a life that is. He wants you to be in a life that is absolutely incredible. So to understand who we are, to understand our calling by God, and it's a supernatural calling that God gave to us, we have to go back into the Older Testament of the Bible to begin with. Uh, It's the time before Jesus walked on this earth. And in the Older Testament of the Bible, Jesus largely, or God largely, spoke through what he called his priests. Now, his priests came from a certain family line. You got to track with me here because this is where we're going to go in a little bit. They came from this certain family line. And priests, you couldn't come into the priesthood. You had to be born into it. And it was a big deal to be a priest because you had a few key roles. One of your roles was you were a mediator between the people and God. So God's here, the people are here, and the priests kind of stood in the middle. They offered sacrifices so that the people would be forgiven by God. Um, They drew the people back to God. They went to God on the people's behalf, and then they went to the people on God's behalf. That was one of their key roles. And then the other key role of a priest would be to teach and train and equip and call the people back to God and show them what it looks like to live life with God. 
Now, being a priest was really the original servolution, because if you were a priest, you were serving God with your life, and you were serving people. They were servolutionaries. They were people who started a revolution of service. But by the time Jesus came on the scene, the priesthood had gotten all messed up. It had turned sideways. It was really bad. Instead of being servants of God and servants of the people, uh, the priests believed that God existed to give them authority and that the people were there to serve them. And Jesus didn't like that. And so Jesus came on the scene and he started walking around and he'd walk up to people and he'd say pretty incredible things. He'd walk up to a small group of Jewish people who were under Roman rule, who had no authority on their own. And he said, listen, you guys, I know you feel like you're nobodies. I know you feel like you don't have anything going for you. I know you feel like your life doesn't matter. But listen, you are the light of the world. So he walked up to these people and he would give them just absolutely incredible callings. You're not just the light of Jerusalem where we are, but you are the light of the entire world. And if you live life with me, your light is going to shine over the entire world. And then he'd walk up to another person, and he'd go up to like tax collectors and, and fishermen, and he'd say, listen, you right there, you, you, stop what you're doing and come and follow me. Come and be my disciple, which simply meant, listen, walk with me, see what I do, and then do what I do. It was an incredible calling, an extraordinary calling. Before Jesus came on the scene, only the most educated people got that calling, but he went to ordinary people and said, you have an extraordinary calling. You are my disciple. And then he went to people and said things like this, you're going to be my witnesses across the entire earth. I know you think you don't have much impact. I know you think you don't have much authority. I know you think you don't have much influence. But listen, if you follow me, you'll be my witnesses across the entire earth. Jesus went around and he gave ordinary people extraordinary callings. He said, this is what you are. And it ticked off the religious leaders. Because he was raising up the ordinary guy, the ordinary gal, And in the process, he was lowering the status of the religious people. And it's one of the reasons why they wanted to kill him. And ultimately, they did kill him. The Bible says that he was crucified on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins because we were separate from God. And we needed to be drawn back to him. We needed our sins forgiven. So he took the penalty when he died on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, bringing about new life and real life. And he went to his followers and said, Listen, guys, wait and pray because my spirit's going to come and it's going to dwell in you. And his followers did. They went to this room and they began to pray. And after they prayed for 10 days, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and the Spirit rested on all of the believers. It came and it dwelled on the believers. And what happened in that moment was that the believers no longer needed this priest to be their go-between. All of a sudden, they could go to God. And the believers had God's Spirit living in them, and it gave them things like truth and ultimate reality and power to do the things God said to do. And God's Spirit gave them these great characteristics like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, things that we need in our lives. The Bible says God's Spirit gave it to them. And in that moment when God's Spirit came, they got a calling. They got a calling, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Because see, one of Jesus' followers, a guy named Peter, he talks about this calling in First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. And this is what he says about this calling that these believers have, that all these people in the early church had. Basically, he says this, and we're catching it midstream, mid-thought. He says, Jesus came to God as the living stone, which was rejected by men, but it was choice and precious in the sight of God. And you also, talking to the people who were following Jesus, you also 
are living stones being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we have to hold on right there for a second. Because this would have blown the people away. Because for them, for the entire lives, God dwelled and God rested and God stayed in a temple in Jerusalem, which is why Jews from all over the world would go to Jerusalem a couple times a year. They would stay because God's presence was in this temple in Jerusalem. But Peter says, listen, everything is changing now. God's spirit doesn't rest in a temple in Jerusalem. God's spirit rests in a community of people that gather together. He says, Jesus was this stone that built this new house. And each of you, each of us, is another stone being built into this house. And because we are this house where God's presence dwells, guess what? That old priesthood I had, that only a few guys could get into, that only a few people could be part of, it's gone. And now you are God's priests. And they would have been overjoyed. They would have been excited. He goes on to say this, you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are a people that's God's own possession. Why? So that you can proclaim the excellencies of God who called you out of darkness and into his incredibly marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now, now you're the people of God. At one point you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you ever feel like you're not good enough? Like you don't measure up, like you don't stack up? You ever come into church and begin to sing songs or listen to people sing songs and think, you know what, the mistakes I've made, I can't in good conscience sing that song. Because the things I've done, if people knew the things I've done, they would not want me here, welcome me here, accept me here. My past excludes me from experiencing God. I want to tell you, you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. Peter says, you're not defined by your worst moments. You're defined as God's sons, as God's daughters. Do you ever feel like you're not gifted enough for God to use you? Do you ever feel like you're too old or too young, too big or too small to really be used by God in an incredible way? I want to tell you, you're not. The Bible says this about you. Peter says this about you. You have been called by God. You're holy. You're royal. You're chosen. He says you are his and you're perfect and you're loved. And it's not because of anything we've done but it's because God himself called us back to him. Tonight we're talking about what's my identity at my core? Who am I? And the Bible says you are chosen by God. You're a royal priesthood. And these early believers, they heard this and they said, that's me, that's us. We are this priesthood. They believed God at his word. And so here's what they did. They started to gather together in little communities and they said, you know what? We all have a role to play. We're all part of this house that God's building. We're all part of this temple where God's spirit is. And we're all priests, so we all have a role to play because the role of a priest is what? It's to mediate, it's to draw the people back to God, it's to teach the people. So all the believers began to do that. They began to teach people and call people back to God and live a life that was incredible. And over time, the church decided, you know what? That's not a good way to do it. That's not a good use of time. We don't like the way things are structured. Having all these people who think that they're priests, who think that they're called by God to like do things for God and work with God and work for God, it's just getting too messy. And so over time, about 1,500 years ago, the church said, you know what? We're done with this whole everyone's a priest thing. We're going to call a few people to be priests and we're going to pay them and put them in full-time ministry. And the rest of you guys can just sit out in the chairs and enjoy yourselves. Wouldn't that be nice? 
you've been doing a lot of good stuff, a lot of work. Listen, the church has spread throughout the entire world. God's done incredible stuff. But you know what? We'll take it from here. Uh, We're going to pay a few people. You give your money. We'll pay them. They'll do the work. And you can sit on the gifts God gave you. And you can just kind of sing the worship songs and enjoy yourself and then go off and have tea and be bad tippers because Christians were traditionally bad tippers. That's what they tell me. Um, I don't know. I never get to leave here on Sunday, so I wouldn't know. Um, And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. They hired some priests. The priests became full-time ministers of God, and the rest of the people traded passionate action, passionate service for mediocre lives, for lives where they just kind of sat around on the sidelines and played church and came once a week and maybe joined a small group but didn't really do anything. Why? Because their identity had been stolen from them. Because God called them priests, but the church said to them, no, we're going to take that back. There are a few of us priests, and the rest of you are laymen, and we're going to put the lame in laymen, and you're just going to sit there on the sidelines while the real workers do all the work. And at that point, things got real sideways. Things got real bad. A lot of the worst things that we don't like about church history began to happen at that point. But I want to tell you something tonight. You have a calling from God. You're called to be a priest. There's no two ways to put it. At the core of who you are, you're called to be a priest. It's a calling that the church over time has eradicated, has gotten rid of, has said, you know what, we don't need you. But today we need to reclaim it. Today I'm here to say as your pastor, I'm not the only one in ministry. You are priests. There's no difference between you and me. That's why we wear the same clothes. I don't have a robe. I don't make you call me pastor. I don't make you call me father. That would be super awkward. Now, if you want to call me pastor, great. I, I like it. It's a, it's a neat title, but just call me Kevin or Kev or Hey You. Or some of you gals in the church call me Sonny, which I really like. Because the truth is, there's no distinction between us. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people called by God to do two things. Remember, the role of a priest is to connect with God intimately, to connect with God, and then to help other people experience Him. That's the role of a priest. That's your calling. So some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, so then what do we need you for? It's a fair question. Thanks for asking. Here's why you need me, at least according to the Bible. And I love it that they gave you some reason why you might need me because I need to be here because I love you guys. Um, The Bible says this about me. It says in Ephesians 4, God gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the equipping of God's priests to do the work of service, to building up the body of Jesus Christ. My job is to teach and train and equip you to do your job. Does that make sense? So I tell you what God says, and we kind of discuss it, we wrestle with it, we chew on it, and then together we go out and do what God wants us to do. That's my job, is to teach and train and equip, and your job is to partner with me as we go and live out a servolution, showing people the love of Jesus by simple acts of kindness, of goodness. 
So as we launch this series, as we start talking about all the things we're going to do, and we're going to do some incredible things, I'll tell you, we're going to do some things as a church that I've never seen a church actually do on Sunday mornings. We're going to do some really fun stuff that I'll lay out for you in just a minute. But as we talk for the next seven weeks about doing, 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 doing all this stuff, we have to understand it comes from a place of calling. It comes from a place deep inside of us. I do these things because of who I am. Remember, I do these childlike things because at my core, neoteny is a part of me. I am childlike, therefore I do childlike things. You are a priest, therefore you do priestly things. You draw close to God and you help other people draw close to him. And some of us have been sitting on the sidelines for way too long. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines because you've never been invited by a pastor to get into the game, I want to apologize. And I want to say today's your day to get into the game. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Stop watching the game. And start playing the game. Because if you don't, here's what's going to happen. You're going to feel a lack of connection to God because you're not doing the things God wants you to do. You're going to become a consumer in church. And you're going to judge worship services on whether or not you liked the songs that were sung or I was funny enough or I wore your favorite color plaid. That's going to be how you judge a Sunday evening service because you'll become a consumer. It's all about me when God wants us to be producers, people who are showing love. Ultimately, you're going to get frustrated with other people in the church. You'll get frustrated with me and you'll leave and all of it is bad. It's all bad and I don't want that for us. I want us to start this revolution of service and a revolution of love, and it comes when we reclaim our identity. You're a priest. And yes, you can stay married, but you're a priest. Some of you are getting nervous. Some of you with Catholic backgrounds are like, what does this mean? I'm getting a little nervous. Don't worry. Neoteny. Don't worry. You can stay married. And here's what it means to take hold of this divine calling. Here's what it means to be a priest. It means two things. One, it means you fall in love with Jesus. You fall in love with Jesus. And how do you fall in love with him? Well, let me ask you this question. How did you fall in love with your spouse? Did someone have to tell you how to fall in love with your spouse? Did someone have to write a manual for you, a devotional, how to fall in love with your spouse? No, they sure didn't. How did you fall in love with your spouse? You got to know her. You studied the things she liked and didn't like, and then you did them. You listened to her. You talked to her. You studied her. How do you fall in love with Jesus? Spend time with him. Get to know him. Listen to him in prayer. Talk to him in prayer. Do the things he likes. Lean away from the things he doesn't like. And over time, you'll fall in love with him. And then the second thing we need to do as priests is we need to help other people experience God the way that we are. And so for the next few weeks of this Servolution series, we're going to talk about what it means to become a servolutionary. Next week, we're talking about the heart of a servolutionary. What does it mean to have a heart towards God's people and towards people in general? And if you have friends, by the way, who don't come to church because they think Christians are hypocrites, bring them next week because we're going to address the fact that without love, we are hypocrites. And I'm going to apologize for that to your friends. And then I'm going to invite them into the servolution with us. So we're going to talk about the heart of a servolutionary next week, and then we're going to explore the specifics of how do I know what my passions are, what my giftings are. We're going to look at our shape, the way God shaped us. 
and we're going to get involved in ministry. We're going to have a ministry fair in a few weeks where all the ministry of the church are going to be around the back wall and you can go up and ask questions and get information and sign up to be part of ministry because God wants you to take part in this servolution starting in our church and then going into our city and then going around the world. So after the church component, we're going to have a city component. What's it mean to be a servolutionary priest in our city, helping people experience God through acts of kindness, acts of service, acts of love? And on one Sunday, on August 12th, as many of us who can, and some of you can't because you work during the morning, but as many of us who can, we're going to meet here on Sunday morning at 8.30. We're going to have a little communion service, a little worship, and then we're going to go out into the city and we're going to serve. Because part of being a follower of Jesus is not just coming in here, but it means going out there. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to have a blood drive a little bit later in August on a Sunday because why not save a life when you're at church? God saved yours by giving his blood. We can save other people's by giving our blood. I know that's cheesy, but it'll stick. And then after that, we're going to talk about creating a worldwide servolution. We're going to look at the state of God's church around the world. What's God doing right now in different parts of the world? How's he moving? What's happening with people around the world? Because some people, I don't know if you know this, some people are getting killed for following Jesus right now. Some people died today for following Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to get real about it. We're going to get honest about it. We're going to do something that I'm really excited about for at least one week, but maybe two But at least one week, we're going to do uh, something where we only eat beans and rice for the week at our homes. And we're going to take the extra money that we raise because the majority of the world, that's all they eat most days. So we're going to stand in solidarity with them. We're going to eat beans and rice. We're going to take that extra money. And don't worry, some of you who are nervous, I'm going to give you recipes for your beans and rice, but don't worry. But uh, we're going to take that extra money and maybe add some to it. And we're going to try to build a church in India for a sister community that doesn't have any space to meet right now in one day. Think about that. In one day, we could build a church for a group of people. So we're going to do some pretty incredible stuff. This series is going to be about doing, 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 but it starts with who we are. So I want you to remember as we go through this series, the reason we do this stuff is because at our core, we are priests of God. Now on that connect card that I had you fill out a few minutes ago, there's some ways to put this into practice even today. Just to start off this series, putting it into practice, because some of you know, man, I want to jump into ministry right now. I know God's calling me. I know he's giving me passions. I don't need to wait till the ministry fair in two weeks. I want to jump into ministry now. So in the part that says applying today's teachings, uh, the first one is I'm going to take hold of my calling and help others experience God. Because remember, a priest helps other people experience God by joining one of these teams. And I gave a whole list of teams, guest services, kids life, construction zone, um, something that I'm calling our decision team. So each week, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to God if he's calling you to himself and make a decision for him. And then I want to have people up here that you can pray with if you make that decision. I'm trying to form that team right now. Maybe that's something you would want to be on. By the way, all of these are for Sunday night. So if you mark this, we're going to get you plugged in right here at Sunday night in the servolution that we're starting. If that strikes you, go ahead and mark one of those and we'll connect with you this week. Another way you can put this into practice is just to commit now, if you're free on Sunday mornings, that on August 12th, you're going to join our servolution Sunday. I want to know who's with me. I want to know who I'm going to do this with. So go ahead and mark that down on your card so I can be praying with you and praying for you. Earlier, I said this about you. I said, you are a holy nation. You're royal. You're blameless in God's eyes. He loves you with an incredible love. And when I said that, if something in you said, you know what? I want that to be true about me, but it's not true about me yet. Because I don't know God the way you're talking about I don't have this real intimate encounter with him that you're talking about. Then I want to give you a chance to do that right now. 
If you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you, Jesus could not love you more than he does right now. God loves you so much that he gave his son to die on the cross for you. He loves you so much that he is here waiting for you to come back to him. And if you've never made a decision to give yourself to him completely, and I mean completely, then I want to tell you today's the day for you. In just a second, I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's going to be a prayer of decision. And if you've never made a decision to give your life to Jesus, you can pray that prayer with me. And if you're here right now, and at one point you were close to God, but you've wandered away from him, and you're far from him, and you know you are, in that prayer time, you can pray a prayer with me of recommitting yourself to him. So go ahead, would you join me as we pray? Lord, first off, I just want to pray for our community as we start this Sunday night uh, service. That you would form in us and create in us a calling like you did with the early church some 2,000 years ago that says we are in this together. We are priests and we all have something to offer. Would you help each of my friends here know that they are incredibly loved by you? Uh, That you've given them an amazing calling to be your priest, to connect with you deeply and to help others connect with you. Would you help us to take that back, that thing that's been lost for so many years, that we together are a community that leads people into your presence and we experience you when we are together. So Lord, would you remind us of that calling throughout this week and would who we are at our core shape what we do throughout this week. And if you're here tonight and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, not your parents' relationship with God, not your wife or your husband's relationship, but on your own, said, yes, Jesus, I want you. I want to have a relationship with you. I know that I have walked away from you. I know that my sin has separated me from you, but I want to come to you. If that describes you tonight, then I want to invite you to receive God back into your life. And you can do it by praying this simple prayer and you can just whisper it right where you are or say it in your heart. It's a prayer of commitment. It's a prayer that invites God to be your Lord and to be your Savior. And I gotta tell you, it is the best prayer you will ever pray. So if you sense God calling you to himself right now, you can pray these words. Just repeat them right where you are. You can whisper them or say them in your heart. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross and rose again to forgive me of my sins and to call me back to yourself. And today I say, I want this life that you offer. I want this relationship with you. And I want to know you. And I want to fall in love with you. And I want to experience all you have for me in this life. And so today, Lord, I say, I want this and I want you. So God, would your spirit come and live in me and draw me to you in an incredible way. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.